Welcome to The Conversation, the weekly show dedicated to helping you look, feel, and be your best self. I'm your host, Khalif, like a leaf on a tree, and today I'm having a conversation with PR and branding expert, Crystal Jordan. Today we'll be discussing all things branding and PR, and even a little celebrity dishing on Bad Girl Riri. All this and so much more coming up next on the all-new Conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the conversation, Miss Crystal Jordan. Hey. How, hey, are you today? how are you? I am so good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Just that driving is... around the great city of Atlanta. So good to hear. Um, if you don't mind just telling uh, the listeners a little bit more about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and what do you do? Well, my name is uh, Crystal Jordan, and I am... I, I kind of have a, 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 a few different hats that I wear simultaneously. Um, I am the founder and COO of Enchanted Branding and Public Relations. And um, it's a public relations agency with headquarters here in Atlanta. Um, we have clients across the country, but um, we've been headquartered here for the last 12 years. Um, and I've had some great experiences with public how most people know me here in Atlanta is through um, doing public entertainment, public relations, and marketing. Um, my company started in 2007 as Enchanted Public Relations, and um, after about five years of working in public relations, we realized that branding was so important. Uh, the landscape of PR was changing so much, so the company changed to Enchanted Branding and Public Relations, and it's been that way ever since. Um, in addition to Enchanted, I also went back. I was always a writer. Um, first book came out in 2006, but I went back to writing a few years ago, and so I am the relationship and women's issues editor for Rolling Out Magazine, also here in Atlanta, mm. uh, headquartered here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I also have a show on a webisode series that airs on Rolling Out called Reality Check. We talk to reality stars and um, just really anyone making noise in the urban community. Um, I have a YouTube series called Let's Get Crystal Clear. And some people may see me on uh, Fox 5 Good Day Atlanta as a celebrity relationship expert. Uh, I have a great time talking about celebrity relationships and things like that for Fox. So I guess I kind of do a, a mirage of things right now, but I, I have a lot of fun. I enjoy all of it. You're listening to The Conversation with Khalid. So a lot of people want to have a career in media, but they don't know how to necessarily brand themselves or reach their target audience. So um, what are like the first steps of creating a strong brand? Well, the first step is to really find out who your demographic is. That's the most important thing. A lot of times people feel like they want to do something, they want to have a product, or they want to push something but they don't really have in mind. They're just thinking of things that they like. And I think that's probably the biggest misconception about doing things uh, from a creative mind. I speak for my own because I have a creative mind. And a lot of times we want to express our own creativity, but we we forget that um, 
other people have to connect to that creativity in order for things to work. So mm. the first thing you want to do is figure out who are your, who, what is the demographic that you're trying to reach. And then once you figure that out, the next thing you want to do is study that demographic, study different, different uh, products or shows, whatever you're trying to do, study things that are like what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are that catering to that same demographic and see what the see what works, see what doesn't work. It doesn't work to ever reinvent the wheel. Um, okay. If you if you study hard, I know everybody thinks that their idea is the dopest one, and we all have dope ideas. But if you can study and see research and see what's worked for other people and what hasn't, it can save you a lot of time and a lot of money. So I would say the first step is to identify and then to research. Okay. So after you've done your research, um, how do you go about effectively well, communicating? Is that Does that come through the research? Mm-hmm. Okay. The first step is to identify. Mm-hmm. The second step is to research. And the third step is to commit. Commit to that. Commit to what you've learned in your research, right? Okay. So if you decide, okay, I'm going after uh, 18 to 23-year-olds, in this in this area, and I'm gonna and I've done all my research. And I know what they what they respond to, what they don't respond to. I see what they've done in the past. Then I need to make sure that everything that I do falls within those guidelines. A lot of times we get the research, but we don't commit totally to it. Um, and that means committing means that I'm going to do this regardless of what happens. I'm going to do this regardless of if the first week it doesn't work. I'm going to do this regardless if people tell me, oh, maybe you should do it this way. Mm-hmm. So that third thing is the most important thing because consistency, well, the, the fourth is consistency. So commit totally, which means I'm going I'm going all the way out. I'm going all the way out with what I've learned from this, and I'm going all the way out for this demographic. No matter what happens, if I get another opportunity to go after a different demographic, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to commit to what I've learned and to what my vision is here. And then the next, the fourth step would be consistency. Mm-hmm. Consistency is key. If you're not consistent, and people a lot of times, especially young people, they'll do something. They'll say, okay, I've done my research. I've identified. I've done my research. I'm going to commit to this. And I've committed to it for two weeks, and I'm not seeing a result. I'm not seeing a result. I've committed to it for two months. That's not consistency. Consistency is being there. You really need to do something consistently for one year in order to see a guaranteed result. Okay. So you have to be consistent uh, once you've committed to the process. Now, I feel like a lot of my generation is into the get, get success quick um, dream or falsity but what you're saying is you really have to just commit to the process and be open to failing and be open to feeling like no one's listening to your content or no one's really paying attention or caring about what you're doing. But to see true growth, you have to wait an entire year. Absolutely. And I think you're, I, I agree with you hundred percent. A lot of times young people uh, get discouraged or they see what someone else has done. I think social media has all of us thinking that success is an overnight process, and that's not true. Mm. There's a, a book uh, that talks about needing to sacrifice or commit 10,000 hours to your craft in order to be great. There's no way for you to be great accidentally. As, you know, greatness is not an accident. Right. So you have to commit, you have to be consistent, and you have to block out the noise around you. Um, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to want to change the course. Um, but that's not how greatness, 
you know, is created. So you have to you have to commit to being consistent and really just block out anything that takes you away from that. Um, I've worked with music artists for years. You know, most of my career was, was spent working with uh, musicians um, or, or just, you know, R&B artists or rappers, things like that. And when you do a promotion run for an album, um, you know, you're, you're doing that for a solid year. And a lot of times the artists, by the time they finish that year, they're sick of the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're tired of performing it. They're tired of looking the same. They're tired of answering the same questions. But the reality is, in order for people in New York to have heard about you and people in Iowa to have heard about you and people in Texas to have heard about you, the people in San Francisco, it takes a really long time to get a message across. Even with the miracle of social media, you have to be able to be consistent. You have to stay in people's faces and you have to be 110% committed to what your message is and, and not varying from that in order to get to that promise line. And you will. I mean, there's, to me, when you, when you apply those principles, there's no way you can fail if you've done the right research. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying if something comes up and you realize, okay, there's a change in your research and you realize something else um, that you didn't take into consideration. But if you've done solid research, you see what has worked. If you do it for yourself and you're consistent, it will work for you also. How do you go about marketing marketing yourself on social media and creating a an image for yourself on social media? Well, I think you have to, again, I'm, I'm big on research and, and planning, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you have to figure out how you want to be perceived, um, how you want to be perceived, and then think about that before you start to post, before you start to create. And then once you do, find ways to be different. I know that, you know, it's easy to be to find a carbon copy and, and emulate what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. But I think the people that stand out and really win are people that are true to their voice and true to who they are. So I would say figure out ways to really communicate via your social media what you want to get across to yourself. If you're into, say you're into motorcycles, right? And you're into, and, you're, and, and you really are, that's your... That's the goal to really, I don't know, maybe you're a rider and you want, maybe you're part of a motorcycle club and you want to promote that. Find ways to bring that into everything that you post. Find okay. ways to tie that into everything that you do. Um, even if it's not necessarily just about that, find ways to connect with that demographic of other people that like the same thing. So I think it's just like not being accidental. I think sometimes people get, um, usually they get emotional and they'll post based on what they see other people do. You'll look at other people's pages and feel like, oh, maybe I'm not doing enough or maybe I should do something like this. My biggest tip for that on social is to don't pay attention to other people. Once you figure out where you want to go, now pay attention to people that are doing exactly what you want to do. Okay. But people that are your friends or other people that you feel like are successful that you may be a little bit jealous of or that you may, don't pay attention to that. That, that is a distraction. And that would definitely get you off your court. You're listening to The Conversation with Khalid. So when it comes to inspiration, how how important is that you let your inspiration end and yourself begin? So, for example, one of my inspirations for um, being on the radio was Wendy Williams. And when I first started doing uh, radio, I used to have her own little gadget gadgets and her sound effects and everything. But there became a point where I just I let a, all of it go 
and I started doing my own thing because so many people, and this is me including myself at one point in time, so many people want to be the next this person or that person, but it's really important to establish yourself as an individual, you know? No, yeah, yeah you're, I, I totally get it. I mean, one of my biggest inspirations is Oprah Winfrey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have watched her for years. I love what she's been able to do and what she's been able to become. Um, but I, I heard her say something one time, that speaks to what you're saying. And basically, it's like, the world has an Oprah, it doesn't need another one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oprah has got Oprah down. She's right. the best Oprah she can be. So I have to find a way to fit my, myself into take the inspiration from her, but still kind of crystallize it. That's my own little way of saying kind of what I do for things is bring my own sense to it. So although Oprah and I have things in common and we're both black women, um, you know, we both are brown-skinned black women, but... I have a different style. I have a total different style um, than she does. Mm-hmm. When I talk to people, I have a different style. I kind of see more. I don't know. Like, it's, it's definitely not the same approach, but I've been inspired by her a lot. I think that you have to realize whenever you're really trying to do something and you admire someone, you have to realize the thing that made you admire them is the fact that they, they are an individual and they were not, they were not afraid to, to showcase that individuality. Wendy Williams is a great example. She's been, there's nobody else that is like Wendy Williams, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So if you're inspired by Wendy, then I would just think, you know what? Wendy did something that was, I mean, she is definitely not the stereotypical um, talk show host. You know, the fact that she was able to get a television show after being on radio, she had several scandalous situations happen to her. You know, she admitted that she had drug abuse and different things like that. And just being a, a black female, it's not, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. But what made her stand out was the fact that she was unapologetic about who she was. Right. So I would try to tap into the things about the person that I, that I look up to, um, not to copy exactly what they do, but just the energy with which they, get, they gave through their craft. You're listening to The Conversation with Khalid. As far as PR, can you explain to people what PR all entails, maybe some people who want to get into doing PR or are just clueless or want to know more about it? Public relations is basically, um, it sets the reputation for your brand, right? So it is, um, it's all about your brand's image and how the public relates to them, hmm. relates to it or them. Um, and, and you need public relations in every field. Um, artists need public relations, um, products need public relations. Like it's basically just, it sets the reputation. It tells the story about the brand or about the product. So it's extremely important. Um, today that reputation is, is shared mostly through digital media, right? Mm -hmm. So you, I think public relations and social media strategy work hand in hand to, you know, kind of create a story or, a footprint of uh, brands, products, people, everything. You know, you can look. The first thing that you do now is you someone gives you, uh, like, say there's a concert that's going to happen. The first thing you do is you look it up online, mm-hmm. you know, and you find out. Uh, you probably go to the Instagram page or you go to the YouTube page and find out um, other people that are collaborating. So I think it's very important to be able to apply public relations strategy to social media and to digital media um, marketing because you don't just want to buy ads and, and place pictures. You want to be very strategic in how you use those pictures to tell the story of the brand 
And that's really what uh, PR is about. So even though you have uh, digital marketing and social media strategies that are very important, you still need that public relations strategy to be able to kind of lay the groundwork or lay the outline for how that how the, how those uh, how the digital media and social media are used. So I want to talk with you for a moment about networking. How do you go about networking in the industry? Networking takes a lot of self-confidence, I'll say first. Um, it's really important, but I think that when you meet people, you need to have something to say to them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a lot of people, <laughs> I one of my mentors, um, and she, Keisha Walker, um, she's a marketing genius. She's one of my one of my business mentors in my head. Um, she told me something one time that I, I I never forgot, and I always share it with other people that I'm mentoring myself. Mm-hmm. And that is never ask someone for something without offering something first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I get that so much because a lot of times young people will ask me to mentor them. They'll ask me for connections. They'll ask me for advice. And very rarely do any as anyone said, "Hey, let me do this for you." And it's and, and I've done that. I've I've went to people that I look up to, even you know, uh, Chisa herself. And I come up with, I'll try to find what I can do, to, what I can offer that person. Um, a lot of times, you look to someone that you may look up to, and all you can think of is what you need from them. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember those are people, you know, and people. People will definitely remember you a lot more if you come to them with something that you can give, that you can provide them. You know, I would like to take you to lunch. You know, I'd like to take you to lunch or take you to dinner and ask you some questions as opposed to, can, can you know, could you be my mentor? Right. <laughs> you know, or I would love to come in the office and volunteer one day a week, you know, interning for you. What can, like, there's, there's this, a person is definitely going to remember you more with that approach because so many people ask for things. Mm-hmm. And feel entitled to a person sharing their time and, and um, time and, and resources. And that time and resource, time is money. Resources are money. Right. So for you to assume that someone wants to share that with you based on the fact that you asked, you have the wrong, to me, that's the wrong attitude. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that it's really important. And I really wish more young people would take that into consideration. When she told me that, I realized, you know what, wow, that's, that's big. And I, I don't want to be someone that people... See as, as someone that's just trying to take from them, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you're when you're networking and you're asking for things or you're trying to get to know people, make sure that you bring value to the situation as well. That's why I cannot stress how important that is and how um, how many people don't really understand that concept. It's it's very important for you to bring value to the situation as opposed to just be looking to get value from it. Right. Now, it makes sense that you would say that because I remember when I first started doing uh, radio, people, everybody and their mama wanted to be on the radio with me. And I was like, well, what are you what are you going to do with me on the show if you come on the show? And they were like, well, I, ta- I know about this, that and third. And I was just was like, I really can't do anything with that. So it really makes sense um, having been it put in that right. position. It doesn't, it doesn't benefit me. I have people now that will say, Crystal, I want to come on. You should put such and such on your show. And I'm thinking, OK, so for my show. According to the guest, is the is the amount of views I'm going to get. So if I put someone on my show that is not that other people are not interested in hearing from, that's going to be a loss. Mm-hmm. So I would I'd rather people say, hey, you know what? I would love to bring this person on your show. This is why 
this is why this can be a good conversation or this is how this can bring value to your show. You can't just ask me to be on the show just for a favor because that, that hurts my business. Right. And if you just put everybody on your radio show and there's no rhyme or reason to what they're there for, it will hurt your business. Eventually, people won't be listening to you. Right. Now, another thing that I even have noticed is just like you said, it seems like students, a lot of students, when they see that I'm doing this show or whatnot, they're like, how do I get on? It's just like, um, excuse me, what what do you have to offer me? What do you mean? How do I get on? Like, I don't know. I think people just expect so much out of other people there. They don't realize the time, the effort, the the work that goes into doing what we do and everything. And it's just like it makes I mean, it's just literally like that's all it is. It is what it is, you know. No, absolutely. I absolutely. Now, I think that if there are people that are all, that are you know uh, students as well, and they have a plan to how to make the show better, and they want to do that, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But people that just are trying to get put on, right? You know, after a while, that gets tiresome. Now, do you hate? Well, I mean, I hate to say the word hate, but I said it twice already. Do you dislike when people just kind of come up to you in a hustle type of way that kind of bombard you? Because I, I don't know, it gives me an icky feeling. Like, it makes me feel like you're just trying to suck the blood out of my veins type of thing. I think that I like when people approach me in a professional manner. And I try to approach other people in a professional manner. I think that's key. I think that's very important. And I think that kind of sets the tone to how you do business. I think if a person approaches you in a, in a hustling type manner, mm-hmm. then... You, 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 you can only expect that from them, right? right. But when a person approaches you in a, bit, a professional manner, it lets you know they're about their business, and you can expect that from them later. So I have kind of all but eliminated. Sometimes, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I've, I've been doing work here in Atlanta for a long time, so there are a lot of people that are hustlers, and they're, they're great at it. They, they're able to hit a lick, and they say every once in a while, but I still prefer to work with professional people because that's a consistent, that's a consistent check. That's that's going to be consistency in their business mm-hmm. as opposed to a hustle. You know that 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 sometimes is a yes, sometimes a no. So I think how people handle themselves and how they how they approach you says a lot about what you can expect from the relationship. You're listening to the conversation with Khalid. So when it comes to um, social media. I feel like a lot of my, uh, not I feel like, a lot of my generation is just a little haphazard in terms of what they put out on social media. I see people smoking weed on social media, but I don't think people get the importance of having, when in terms of having a brand, having an image that represents you. So what would you say to... You know what? I think that I've learned that, you know, we're all different individuals, right? Mm -hmm. So what works for... Rihanna, mm-hmm. you know, may not work for Beyonce. Those, those that's two uh, clear examples. Um, Rihanna, you know, we see, I mean, we see Beyonce's uh, image is definitely relaxed a lot. She used to be a lot more conservative, but right. if you saw Rihanna on, you know, on social media drinking and smoking weed, it, it's not. It kind of goes well with her image. She's got a party girl image. Um, people love her for that. She's been consistent with that since she first came out. And it works for what she does. Um, if people saw Beyonce online smoking weed and drinking, they'd be like, "Oh my God, she's right. a mother and a wife. That's not a good look for her." You know, it would it would it would definitely affect her differently than Rihanna. So I think that you know you have to keep in mind what is the image that you're trying to create. 
and make sure that what you're doing online is working with the image that you that you're trying to do. For myself, you know, I am somebody that is all about female empowerment. I enjoy working with other women and especially young women and encouraging them and, and being a resource for them. But I'm always coming from a positive perspective. So I couldn't, you know, I'm definitely not going to be online drinking and twerking. Like that's, right. that's, that's, <laughs> that's not my image. Now, I may even, I, I interviewed a, a young lady that was, uh, the young lady that was in the, the, the cucumber challenge. And she, and, it, and it did, you know, it was an interview, but, but, but that's, that's because my brand, I feel like, who I am is strong enough to where I can have other people on. It's not gonna. It's not going to mess up my brand. What would mess up my brand is if I was doing something that was, you know, uh, you know, if there was disrespect or irresponsible to it. But I do feel like you just have to know what you want from the future. Like if you, if eventually you want to be a conservative, you know, you want to make money in the and, and you want to run for public office. Well, there's certain things you definitely don't want to be doing on social media. It may be even things that you're doing. You may be somebody that drinks with your friends or smokes weed, but that's not something that you would want to put on social media if you have if you have aspirations of one day running for public office. So you kind of have to be a forward thinker about your own destiny to know this is where I want to go. Am I making sure that all the things that I do now are leading me in that right direction? You know, and I've always been cognizant of where I want to go. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't do anything publicly that would deter me from getting to that goal. Um, for artists especially, it's like if you know that you want to work with, you want to work with, you know, uh, brands that are very classic, like Coca-Cola or, um, you know, just like all American type brands that, are, that have been around for years. You can't do that if a lot of your you know, if you've been on, on TMZ hitting people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, those, those type brands are not going at Nike. They're not going to pick up somebody that has a uh, troubled past or has a, a, a very, uh, that shows that they're, you know, they have trouble in public and things like that. So you got to really be mindful of what you want to do and, and, and realize, okay, well, if I were to do something like that, that may, that may prohibit me from being able to have that particular opportunity. There are a lot of hip hop artists that, um, are not uh, eligible to, to have certain sponsorships because of things they've done on social media, you know. So even, even you know, even getting online and cussing somebody out sometimes, it's just like not, sometimes certain things are just not for social. <laughs> you may turn your phone off if you want to, if you're if you're that angry, you need to get stuff out because that never goes away. If people mm-hmm. screenshot it, they'll another fight to pick it up and that can definitely affect type of money that you're able to get in the future. You're listening to The Conversation with Khalid. How important do you think it is? Is is authenticity the is it is a key is it a key element of developing a strong brand? I believe authenticity is the most important uh to develop a strong brand because now I think I think you can you can have a brand that's not based on authenticity, but I don't the con- the ability for it to maintain and be consistent um, and be able to be that way for years is, is, is difficult. Um, authenticity is something that you know, like with Rihanna, she's a good example. She's been that she's been that girl since we met her, so she's been able to. Nobody, everybody knows that she's being authentic, she's not fake, and that works. Uh, there are a lot of other other artists that have come out and 
they come out one way and they switch up to something else, and then people are like, wait a minute, we don't really know who you are. And the public is really able to see through that. So I think it's definitely the best way to be. Um, there are some things that just aren't necessary to where you're trying to go, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not being authentic. Like Beyonce may drink or smoke weed or whatever, but that's not, and her not doing that is not necessarily her not being, her not doing that on social doesn't mean she's not being authentic. It just means that that doesn't, that, you know, that's not something that needs to be shared with the public. But I think when you try to do something that's totally anti who you are mm-hmm. or, you know, just totally off base from where you start, I think that's when the problem, you know, that's in. Now, when it comes to rebranding yourself and your, your company or your show or whatever, what have you, um, is there a way to go about doing so strategically? Always, always. And I mean, I would say that the, with rebranding, you need to go back to the same uh, formula and, and, you know, identify that target, research it, you know, research what you're doing and commit and be consistent. It's the same process for rebranding. Hmm. Um, I'm thinking about the career of Whitney Houston and how her career started off. She was kind of like America's sweetheart in my mind. Right. And then she switched. Well, not switch. Once she got with Bobby Brown, it was like, she was like this good girl with this bad guy. And it was just this whole shaboom, bang, bang going on with them that I think people got obsessed with. Well, I think that's a good, that's a good case study. Whitney Houston is a good case study because she actually, was branded as something that she, that was not authentic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, she never was the person that they tried to present initially. I mean, and it's, and, I, and I think it kind of happened innocently because I mean, she's a beautiful woman. She was a model, so it just you just wanted to believe the public. We have a thing, you know. People want to believe that good-looking people are good, right? Mm-hmm. And so she, and I'm not saying that she wasn't good, but I mean, you just you just wanted to believe that she was this innocent beautiful girl and with this beautiful voice, you know, angelic voice. And then when the real Whitney Houston, I mean, one of the things that is very uh, indicative of, of who you are is, is the choice that you make when it comes to a partner. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that if Whitney Houston was really the person that she was, she was billed to be, she would have even been attracted to Bobby Brown at that time. Um, but she was definitely, they, they kind of had boxed her in with a, with an image that wasn't, you know, that didn't correlate with who she really was. So that's an example of how I wasn't able to hold up. But even to this day, people still feel like Bobby Brown was the thing that made her change. It wasn't, there's been, there's been numerous research and, and numerous stories that come out, people that knew her that said, no, she was never that good in two shoes. But because that image was done so well, and that was back before, Instagram and, and social media was around. So trust me, if Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook were around back in the day and people could have seen Whitney Houston outside of her shows, it would have been clear that she was not that good at two-shoes. But because there was still a lot of mystery around celebrities at that point, um, it was easy for the label to tell us something and we didn't know any different, you know, because you never did see them except on on television once in a while and, the, you know, and, and when the record came out. So you didn't have a chance their everyday life and all that that you have a chance to see now. So I think that, you know, that's kind of how social media is a gift and a curse <laughs> because you definitely get to see the real the real people behind the celebrity image now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
center just their cell phones. People could take a picture. I mean, if Whitney Houston went someplace and was drunk or, or high or something, there would have been footage everywhere, you know? Right. But back then, that wasn't the case, so it was a lot easier for the label to send a picture of her in a white gown, I think it was on her first statement on my love, with a, a, a beautiful cover of her in a white, uh, beautiful gown. So, it, you know, it, just, it, it gave you this image of an innocent, beautiful model, you know, young woman, and it and it, it stuck with people, you know, and they wanted to believe it, so she's very talented, so it was easy to kind of want to adopt that, that, that idea of her, and then when the truth came out, people had a really hard time with it. You're listening to The Conversation with Khalid. So you mentioned like relationships, um, your brand and your relationships with other people. Uh-huh. So when it comes to um, being in a relationship with someone specifically in, in um, the media industry, is it, do you recommend people keep it private unless their brand is building a brand with the person that they're with? I think I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to say what people should do as far as their personal relationship because I think that's a very personal decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that you should be aware that if you do go public with a person and they have a they have a profile also and they do something that is you know anti your brand that can hurt you. You know, so I think you have to you have to really really be mindful of what you choose to share mm-hmm. and understand that it could come back to to, um, to hurt you if that person doesn't have the same brand. Um, me personally, I think that a lot of times, until you're in a certain place, I think it's, I think people should keep something private. But I understand that there's some people that enjoy sharing uh, when they're in love. And, you know, I wouldn't want to ever tell somebody there's a right or wrong way to do that because that's something that's, that's a very personal decision. Um, but I do think it's, it's clear that it can, you know, relationships going bad on social media can be very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a distraction from business. So, you know, just be mindful of all that before you make that decision. Now, recently, um, I saw on the reel, um, Lonnie Love revealed that she made her partner sign a non-disclosure agreement. Is that something that is common, or that should be talked about more when it comes to people who are in the public light? I think so. I think that was a smart uh, move for her to make because I think that if you look at some of the most embarrassing things that have happened and uh, embarrassing scandals mm-hmm. have usually come from relationships, you know. So what a person chooses to reveal about somebody that they were dating or that they were married to um, after they're broken up can, can be very, very hurtful to their public image. So I think that's very smart. I mean, Lonnie obviously is a, a very high-profile person with her being on the reel every day. And if he revealed something that was anti, um, it's, it's just totally different than the image that we have, that could affect her, especially being on that uh, daytime television. Daytime television audiences are, for the most part, pretty conservative. Um, and just, you know, her being a comedian and having her own career outside of that, I think that was very smart um, because I can't think of very many scandals that have not included uh, relationships of some type, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I do think there are a lot of people that are looking to do, to, do, uh, to have NDAs as a part of their, you know, dating and relationship culture now because that is, you know, you see it all the time. It's just 
relationships go awry, someone shares something, someone overshares the public, or maybe they're hurt and they say something that's hurtful, but sharing that with the public audience can be hurtful in, in ways beyond the relationship, you know? Right. So, um, just speaking of the real, Amanda Seals is, was recently, um, what, became a co-host on The Real. And mm-hmm. have you, I don't know, not to bash or say anything bad about anyone, just to say it. Um, have you, do you feel like there's a different, what do you, I don't know, she kind of adds something different to the show that was never there. And I've seen right. like some of the comments on social media, they don't like her and this and that. What do you think she does for the brand of that show? Well, what I what I will say is what she obviously. I mean, Amanda Seals is a very um, she has she has a very specific reputation. People know um, that she's very headstrong. She's very outspoken. Um, she's very pro uh, black. And she's um, pro female. So and she, she's very unapologetic in all her stances. And so I think that the real the producers at the real um, brought her on. Because they were trying to tap into that that um, the fact that she may bring some controversy or she may bring some you know additional passion and emotion to that to the, to the show. I think the other ladies are pretty play it pretty safe mm-hmm. um, as far as what their uh, their you know beliefs are and their convictions. They're they're all pretty safe, you know, conservative. So I think having her there kind of kind of adds a little bit of of energy and diversity to the conversation that you may not have gotten before. Because even when the, even when the four of them did disagree, it wasn't really like, you know, they just always played it very safe. I think that she is very unapologetic. She has an opinion. She's not afraid to voice her opinion. And so I think that they probably wanted that. They probably wanted to add that to the show. Um, I know that obviously ever since Tamar was let go, they wanted, they wanted that, that type of energy from five, you know, strong women. Mm-hmm. So they were obviously looking for someone. They had a lot of different people to co-host the show. So for them to pick Amanda, they definitely were looking for what she brings to the show. And I believe they probably did enough research to figure out, you know, that's really the key to everything. Do the research, figure out what people are going to connect to. Mm-hmm. And there, there had to be a reason for them to pick her, you know? Right. Well, I think... We're pretty much wrapped up with everything. Um, is there anything else that uh, you think the people should know? I don't. I think that you know, just trust trust your trust your gut. Once you've done your research, mm-hmm. trust your gut. And if you've really done your due diligence as far as your research and studied um, what the trends have been and what has worked and what has not, once you've done that to the best of your ability, you just have to trust your gut and and trust yourself and be consistent with that. And I think. Trusting your own voice at a time when there's so many other voices that you have access to, you can hear from is is, is hard. So, um, but that's really the, that's the key. That's the, one of the biggest keys to the people that are successful is trusting their own gut and not giving up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see that people mention that from everyone from Will Smith to Jay Z to Oprah. It's just trust your gut and do not give up. And so I, that's what I would suggest when it comes to PR or anything. Um, I would ask people, I definitely would love to have your support. I have a YouTube channel, which is Enchanted PR Online. Um, and so I want as many people as possible to subscribe and trying to really uh, do something different with Let's Get Crystal Clear. I'm really proud of the show. We're 
just starting, so we're, um, you know, it's, it's, it's in the development stages, but my producer, um, Daytrick Davis, is amazing, and I'm just thankful that, that uh, you know, he's given me this opportunity, and I kind of work together on the, on the uh, concept for the show, and I'm really excited about it, so I would appreciate any subscriptions and any feedback to what we have going on. I would greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining the conversation today. It has just been such a pleasure listening and hearing from you from an expert perspective. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, that's today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad you could join the conversation. A huge thank you to Crystal Jordan again for teaching you and I so much new information. Make sure you follow the conversation on social media at the conversation spelled with a K instead of a C with K-A-L-E-A-F and on Instagram, the conversation podcast.